Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is listening to sermons, a pastor's thoughts on such a thing. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so we are heading into a break while I go back to the Midwest for much of this summer. And our last topic until somewhere in mid-August is something that I was interested in talking to you about after you mentioned Deacon Bonnie's sermon this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. So what is it like to listen to somebody else preach? I'm guessing the first thing is, I'm so glad I didn't have to spend the time to prepare and then give a 20-minute <laughs> speech this week. <laughs> Frankly, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> it's part of the reason the job has never called to me. I mean, I I must have said somewhere on this podcast at some point that preaching is really hard. Uh-huh. And although preaching is something I'm not bad at, it's never easy. Sure. Preaching is never an easy thing to do on any Sunday. It is always hard. It is always terrifying. It is always something that at the end of it, I inevitably feel like I have done a terrible job. There is very rarely a Sunday where I feel good about a sermon. Like you knocked it out of the park good. Yeah, no, I never feel that way, really. (laughs) Children's sermons are different. Okay. Children's sermons usually can make me feel like I am semi-effective at my work And children's sermons can be really fun and jovial and a good time, mostly because they are in the moment and they are connected with the kids. Mm -hmm. I love doing children's sermons, but we haven't had children to do children's sermons with for for a while, very long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so uh, that's hard on me. That's super hard on me. And I miss them very, very, very much. So I do enjoy getting the opportunity to listen to other preachers. And I didn't realize how hard the shift would be from being part of a team because my other two calls, I was on a team. Okay. And this was my first solo call. And so the first many years of my call here, I was a solo pastor and I preached every single Sunday until just the beginning of the pandemic when we called Deacon Bonnie. Mm -hmm. And then we began sharing the preaching. And so that's when I started to get some Sundays off of preaching again. And, oh, it is lovely to not be responsible for every single Sunday again. Yeah. Really lovely. Mm -hmm. We did a podcast once on what does a pastor do? And Mm -hmm. though the sermon is the most visible, it is by far the only thing that you do in the week. Right. No, there's plenty of other work to be done and plenty of other things to fill the week with. Uh, That is certainly not a difficulty. There's lots and lots of work to be done each week without a sermon in it. But the chance to hear hear the word from another perspective and to hear the word preached within the same context— from the perspective of a ministry partner, is always a delight and a joy. Well, maybe not always. I will be honest. (laughs) Often, often. Because, of course, being realistic and being honest, there are times when it can be hard and difficult to listen to another preacher preach 
So we'll be honest on this podcast. We always have been in the past. We will be in the future. I haven't experienced it in this call, but people who know me and know that I had difficult other calls, particularly in my first call, know there were some times that I am sure it was difficult to hear me preach. Mm -hmm. And it was certainly difficult for me to hear my partner preach, which is why we stopped preaching and we called in outside sources during the height of some church conflict. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Is it nice to get a break and listen to some other perspectives particularly after having taught the lectionary for so long by yourself, I can only imagine there's only so much you can do with some of these parables before I would go a little batty. Yeah, I think that is one of the interesting pieces is that now that I've been ordained for as many years as I have been, there's a little bit of wanting to hear someone else preach it Mm -hmm. and also being within the same context for as many years as I've been coming up on my 10-year anniversary at this call. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of, okay, I've I've done this three times now in this particular call. And so having another perspective is good. And the context is so different. How so? Who we are in 2023 is so vastly different than who we were in 2013. I mean, think about the changes that we have seen in the last decade. Mm -hmm. In 2013, Obama was still our president. We hadn't had the Trump presidency. We hadn't had the pandemic yet, right? There's so many pieces of some things that have made inherent shifts within our country that make our context so incredibly vastly different. And so even though it's the same lessons that are coming back around, the context is vastly different than it was even just a short decade ago. And at the same time, I am enough of a part of the system, a part of the congregation now, Mm -hmm. having been here for 10 years, that it's hard to take a step back and preach to the congregation in a way that is fresh. Sure. So... It's always lovely to hear a new perspective. I'm not going to lie to you. Every time the prodigal son comes around, it's like, (laughs) Uh well, are they going to do something new with it? Or am I going to hear something that sounds very familiar to Mm -hmm. eight other times I've heard this? Mm -hmm. Yep. When you do have a supply pastor, because I know you tend to pick them. You usually do, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. That's my responsibility. Do you go back and listen to the live stream? Are you ever curious what they have said? Or do you just let it be what it is and trust the process? Usually I trust the process. Usually I don't go back and like check on their work. There's no like (laughs) checking on the supply pastor's work going on. If I'm getting comments through the week about something that seemed like it was particularly poignant or something that really resonated then I'll go back and listen so that I can maybe pick up that thread the following week and refer back to it Mm -hmm. because it particularly resonated and that was really awesome. The only time in my entire career of ministry that I have gone back to like check in on someone's work was when I had a guest come and preach and people were upset about what was preached. They had difficulty with the topic. And it was before live streams, but it was at a context where the sermon was recorded 
both of my previous congregations recorded the sermons, one of them to go onto the radio the following week, mm-hmm. one of them to go out to the congregation on cassette tapes. And so I was able to go back and listen to the sermon to hear what it might have been that upset members as much as it did so that I could respond. Not that I didn't agree with what the preacher had said, but simply so that I could catch the context and could address the concerns with the context of where this was coming from within the sermon. I knew who I had invited into the pulpit, Mm -hmm. and I trusted this individual. And so it was much more to find out, okay, what is the context? How was this misheard? How can I help find a way to understanding within this situation? And so that was the only time that I did that. But most of the time, when I take a Sunday off... I give myself that Sunday off of responsibility Mm -hmm. and I trust my people in the hands of the spirit and in the hands of God. Interesting. Do you ever respond and be a supply pastor for other people or do you preach enough at this particular call that that's not a thing? I only get four Sundays off a year. (laughs) You're going to take them. (laughs) So since I only get four Sundays off of in a year, Uh I might go to worship Okay. On those Sundays, but I don't work. I don't serve on those Sundays. I take those Sundays off. I'm either with my family or I am off on those weeks. If I only have four weekends per mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. that I get to have a weekend, I I work very hard to spend that time with my family and friends who tend to also have weekends off. Mm -hmm. And since I work every other weekend of the year, Saturday and Sunday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. You got to make the best use of your time, man. I do. Mm -hmm. So I do not take supply. But that's, again, I am very, 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 very blessed to have a full-time call. Mm -hmm. And that is rare in the ELCA now. And I don't take that for granted. So I'm not complaining that I only have four Sundays off per year. I am simply recognizing that with only four Sundays off per year, Mm -hmm, you choose wisely. I do not take pulpit supply. I could do pulpit exchanges. Mm, Okay. Where if congregational councils chose to do pulpit exchanges where one rostered leader would go to another congregation and we, we would swap rostered leaders for a Sunday, then we could do that for swapsies. But for me to take a Sunday off at our congregation to go serve at another one. It's unlikely. Yeah, very unlikely. Okay, so you've heard other pastors and other people preach. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard one where you're like, "Mm, I think I need to take that idea and make it my own? Have you ever cribbed ideas? (laughs) I think that we all borrow from each other all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I think No one has invented anything for thousands of years, right? We all borrow things all the time. But there's also sharing of ideas. There's also text studies where we share ideas with one another intentionally. There are resources online where we share ideas with one another intentionally. There are Facebook groups where we bat around ideas with one another intentionally. There are places and spaces where we chat with each other. And there are colleagues that 
we will send one another our sermons when it gets late in the week and be like, here's what I got going. If there's anything useful in there, please go at it. Mm -hmm. Take what you need, change what you want. Anything that speaks to you, please go for it. So surely I have. I know I have one sermon that I preached that was 100% a colleague had sent it to me and I made a few changes and used it. And it was well-received. The Spirit used it in both our contexts. But very rarely do I do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for that specific one, I've done that once. But other than that, I mean, there's lots of resources where we do share from one another. Now, there's also resources out there where people, you know, there's there's now AI sermons. I was going to ask about, mm -hmm. but we're skirting the edge of a discussion of both AI and plagiarism outright. Mm -hmm. And that is a hot topic in sermon communities. Really? Absolutely. Just as hot a topic as any other writing guild sort of format, because this is a form of creative writing. Sure. Right? And so I will say that personally for myself... I have never used AI. I rarely even use story starters. I don't know what that is. Which are like, here's Prompts? a story you can use for a start of your sermon kind of a thing. I might take ideas or quote, you know, as I was researching, mm -hmm. I learned this detail about the information. But I very, very rarely take chunks. I think one of the most chunky bits that I have quoted was probably, I've quoted a large chunk of commentary on the turn the other cheek verses mm -hmm. and give them the shirt off your back. And th there's a commentary that talks about how that is peaceful. Um, what's it called when you're standing against someone? Protest? Protest. And there's a very famous commentary on that. And I read it verbatim. I have read it verbatim, and I've done that at two congregations. Okay. Because it is a brilliant commentary. I could not write it any better. You better believe I cite my source. And I have copies of the full commentary available for my people to pick up and read the entire commentary at the end of the sermon, right? Because it's an incredible commentary that opens up that scripture in a way that we do not normally understand it. And so that's the kind of thing where if you're citing your source, it's not plagiarism, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's academics. And so those are the kinds of pieces that when I do have a source, I cite it. You'll find plenty of pastors will pull resources like that and cite the work within their sermon. It's when you don't do that when you find something on the internet and you like it well enough and you pull it off as if it were your own, that you're treading into plagiarism territory. Mm -hmm. And there are AI sermons now and there are people who use them and there are pre-written sermons on the internet and there are people who use them. It's an ethics issue. And some people have been taken to task by their boards and by their councils and those different kinds of things because of those issues. That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So you're sitting there, you're listening to somebody else preach. Mm -hmm. Are you a note taker? Do you pay close attention or do you really wish you had a piece of knitting to be working on while you're sitting there? I have never been a note taker. No. 
but I'm not a note taker in any context. Mm -hmm. So I think that drives note takers batty that I'm not a note taker. And maybe I need to be now that my brain is a little more compromised as I'm going along, right? And maybe I need to learn that habit, but I have never been a note taker. I am someone who does better capturing the whole of it through active listening. If I'm writing notes, Mm -hmm. I am so active in writing down the words, I don't actually hear and comprehend. Mm -hmm. It's a very odd thing for me, but I don't learn the information. I'm just writing the information. It's almost like a direct, mm, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like there's no actual taking it in versus if I'm just being present with it. So if I'm knitting Mm -hmm. or if I'm spinning and listening and letting the information absorb in, then I'm actually encountering the information, letting it soak into my brain, letting it make the connections and letting it do its thing. And so that's how I encounter things more effectively. So I don't take notes. Yeah, me neither. I know that is not easy for some people, but that's, that is me all the time. So are you more often sitting there going, wow, I really wish I'd come up with this concept myself? Or have there been times when you're like, wow, I have absolutely no idea where they're going with this? I I'm, I guess because I'm not a competitive person. Sure. Right. This is part of who I am is that I am not a competitive person. And I've not done sports in that way. It's just not a part of me. I get really excited when there's a piece of information that I haven't learned or they show something that I haven't caught on to before. And maybe if I see they have a manuscript, I will ask for a copy so I can chase that down again later. I just tend to get really excited. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a situation where I'm attending an event and I'm hearing a sermon that I do not theologically agree with, because this has happened Mm -hmm. for a multitude of reasons, then it is on me to hold myself accountable to maintaining my own morals and ethics and not being a harsh and cruel judging person. Okay. And to try and maintain a space of grace when I am a guest in someone else's house. Sure. And if I have a responsibility to any of the individuals around me that might hear something that I feel is a damaging theology, who are also guests within that house, then I will check in with them after the service has ended. But if they are not my responsibility and they are not my parishioners and they are not someone that I have a theological responsibility to, it is not my place. Okay. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just a hard line. Sure. It's a very difficult line to walk. And so I will just say that is a difficult one Mm -hmm. of how do you listen to preachers that you theologically disagree with. But for those that knock it out of the park, I just sit there excited and loving every minute of it and soaking it in 
And especially when it's a style of preaching that is so far from my own style yeah, that I could never preach in that manner, but they are preaching in their own beautiful way. It's just so cool to watch. I love it. Excellent. All right. That's going to lead me to my last question. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite sermon that you've been able to sit in and listen to? That is so hard, right? Because I did my doctorate with you know, a dozen other amazing preachers. And we spent three days preaching to each other, not to mention all the other sermons I've heard throughout my lifetime. Mm -hmm. There's so many of them. And Deacon Bonnie has preached some stellar sermons. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, The sermons that find my heart and remind me that I too am a child of God, beloved and cared for, that I am not only a window pane through whom God's grace shines, but that I am also a recipient of that grace. Those sermons are gifts and treasures to me. Okay, I lied. This is my last question. (laughs) Do you feel like you listen to sermons differently as a pastor versus before? Probably yes. Yeah? Yeah, because I think inevitably there is that part of you that is listening, not intentionally so, but just by habit, that part of you that is listening for bad theology. And I'm putting that in Mm -hmm. scare quotes And it's not a pretty side of rostered leaders. It's not a pretty side of pastors. But pastors get in our heads that we are to be protectors of the word and that we are responsible to make certain that only good theology is preached. And so we start to judge one another and judge one another's preaching for Hmm. good theology And no matter how hard I try to get that out of myself, that is still going to be there. And I can try and quiet that as much as I want, but I'm still going to spend some time being like, ooh, that's a little dodgy. And I have no doubt, I have dodgy theology, right? (laughs) Like anybody who's listened to our podcast probably has had moments where they're like, ooh, that's a little dodgy, (laughs) right? So like, I, I get it. But I think that that's the part of me that listens differently than I would have before being trained. That's fascinating. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about listening to sermons from the pastor's point of view. I look forward to sitting on with you another week on another topic. As do I, and may it not be for quite some time, because you have an awesome journey ahead of you. So go with blessings, have a glorious summer And until we are back in your ears again, you have literally hundreds of backlog of episodes to be able to explore. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify and on our website. If you have questions about what you might be able to find, you can always email us at podcast at centralportland.org. I will still be around and we'll be able to answer your questions and refer you to some of our backlog in our catalog. We would love to hear from you. So, until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what.